Happy Mother's Day. Special Mother's Day edition of Super High Sci-Fi, episode 15. Well, not really. There's nothing specific to Mother's Day, but it is Mother's Day when we're recording this. Uh, as usual, Grant is here with me on the quasi-sunny May 10th afternoon today. Uh, I guess Grant is from Rock Bottom. Yeah. Uh, I can't understand your accent. Oh, sorry. Sam is not on the podcast today. Stuck in carbonate again? Being yeah. Being held hostage by Jabba? Who knows? I mean, first he didn't pay for the spice, then he had to dump the load. It's just, it's no good. So, we can only hope that Sam will find his way out of carbonate for next week's podcast. But, you know what? For today, we still have some great stuff to cover. Uh, thankfully, there's a lot of... Uh, just an eclectic bunch of news this week. I'd have to say that's the word I'd pick for it. Uh, we had a lot of science the last couple weeks, and kind of in keeping with that theme, one of the sciencey things that happened this week was SpaceX tested their, excuse me, tested their new, uh, I guess their flight separation system, their abort test. So the the capsule takes off, goes into the upper atmosphere breaks in two, and then the capsule and the fuel system land separately and safely by themselves. Cool. Back on the ground. Yeah, very cool. Much better than the the old uh, NASA system, which was to have another rocket on top of the rocket that would pull the command pod away, hopefully. That was the theory, at least. Yeah, very wasteful. Yeah, very wasteful, and honestly not something I would want to bet my life on, but... SpaceX has a pretty good track record, and I think we've talked about Elon Musk before being kind of the guy as far as pushing space exploration, pushing it in the private sector. Yep, he's a pretty cool guy. Uh, so that's exciting that they're, I guess the, the delivery system for all of their payload and crew stuff is now getting closer and closer to the point where they're going to hopefully eliminate the possibility that we could have, you know, like a Columbia or a Challenger problem. Yeah, I definitely don't want something like that to happen with, you know, a SpaceX pod. And I just like the fact that they're reusable, right? They come yeah. down, they land in the best case scenario, and then you can reuse them. You're not just, there's not junk floating around in space and there's not stuff at the bottom of the ocean that's not usable anymore that they've expended all these resources and efforts to build. That's Yeah, that's the theory of the system, at least. Hopefully it'll prove true in practice that you can just get the parts back and fill them up again. But, you know, either way, big improvement and I'm, we're very excited to see that. That was really kind of the only science thing that really caught my attention this week did you have anything that had popped up on your radar no i think it uh it you know definitely it's wrong to say that it was a slow week for science because there's always discoveries and cool things happening right now but nothing really you know too sci-fi related right now i just i think that we they're just have a lull once in a while right yeah, about the only thing I can think of, and it's not even really science, it's like speculative application of science is a new trailer has come out teasing, I guess, the Black Ops 3 Call of Duty game where it's now, you know, 2060 or whatever, and you have people with robot arms running around who are super secret commandos with X-ray eye implants and stuff. Oh, yeah, the Army's doing developing robot combat soldiers, which is really cool. Yeah, so I think that the there's been some, I don't know, I guess crossover now. The stuff the Army is applying now has inspired people to create some great fiction. But that reminds me, actually, of something I forgot to talk about for the last two weeks, so I can clear this up now. The HoloLens that we talked about a long time ago, relatively. Uh, the military has started kind of a, a pilot program with DARPA, I think DARPA, to figure out how to use that in field applications. So to give somebody like a, an augmented reality view of what their, you know, what their target is, or here's a, an outline of the compound or the building you're going into, or this is what the forest plant looks like. You know, there's another group of people over there and they're pointing this way. 
pretty neat. Yeah, it's very cool. It's uh, I think that that's going to be a big thing since Land Warrior kind of shit the bed. Apparently, that's not happening. I think it'd be really cool. Is in the future, it sets up a a scenario where you can remove the risk to human soldiers from the equation, but without removing removing human decisions from strategic defense. Right, so they'll be able to get information fed to them through the robot combat soldiers and units that are on the ground, and then using their augmented reality battlefield mock-up in front of them. They can tell the machine warriors where to go and direct strategy from essentially you know a 30,000-foot view that they haven't been able to have before and have a level of manipulation that they haven't had before. And you know the, the upside is that nobody dies, well, no soldiers die, right? No uh, friendly soldiers. Right. Kind of eliminate problems like friendly fire and just in general people dying because they're, you know, getting hit by like IEDs and mortars and rocket propelled grenades and stuff like that from enemy fire. It's, you know, if you lose a robot, it's it's just a robot at the end of the day. But, you know, you can eliminate people coming home with like grievous wounds and stuff like that and being disabled and to me, that's a good good thing, and the only downside to it is, you know, it kind of makes it easier to pull the trigger on starting wars and conflicts, and also you have to really have some safeguards around that technology to prevent it from falling into enemy hands. You know, as we learned with, I think, one of our stealth drones, that the technology for which was closely guarded and then ended up crashing in Iran... And yeah. they, they dissected it and learned some things from it and probably sold the secrets to, to like China or someplace that we don't want them going. And, you know, and we didn't have a self-destruct mechanism on it inexplicably. So I think it's a cool future for combat and stuff like that. Um, just hope we don't have to use it, right? What's that shitty Bruce Willis movie with the robot people in it? Surrogates? Yes. Yeah. It's a crap movie. But But there's a scene in that where he's trying to investigate. So I don't remember what the movie's about. There's a murder or something. And he ends up going to the military. And there's just like all these guys sitting in these, you know, look like lazy boy setups in this big warehouse. And they're like military soldiers. But they're piloting these little robot soldiers far away somewhere in the Middle East, looks like. Yeah, I mean, it's... That movie sucks, but it yeah, it does give you a good glimpse, like maybe twenty years into the future, like you have an autonomous, you know, biped soldier that can run around and do things, uh, with people controlling them from like a lazy boy, like you said. So it actually kind of parallels what they do now with piloting drones, where right. the guys are stateside and they'll go into like a trailer with a couple like cockpit simulator things and just basically it's like playing a video game and they're flying the drone and taking orders and you know then at the end of the day they just leave the trailer and go home to their house in Arizona right yeah i think that the biggest setup of the trailers is like somewhere in Las Vegas just out in the desert but yeah surrogates i guess has at least one good scene the rest of the movie kind of sucks but that's that's cool stuff i think that's a pretty good picture of what it'll be like Especially with the CO riding around in the golf cart, yelling at the guy who just got his robot wrecked. That's, you know, like, $20,000. What the fuck are you doing? You're wasting money. Yeah. (coughs) Excuse me. So that kind of brings our our science slash Bruce Willis section for the week to the close. Right. So future Bruce Willis sections will involve 12 Monkeys, maybe Looper, a couple other... Yeah, let's devote an entire episode to talking about Looper because I actually really like that movie. Yeah, I want to like it, but I it just it was a it was a very I thought it was a very thoughtful, interesting paradox movie. Um, well, we can talk about it another time, but I, I liked it as you know comparing it to something like Surrogates, which is definitely not a no. good movie and not his best work. I think like something like Looper is really good. There's dimension yeah. to it. I appreciate Looper from the perspective of like that conversation they have in the diner where Bruce Willis is like, yeah, there's time travel. and Right, like none of it fucking matters. Right, like, like, don't care about like, that stuff. Just don't, don't worry <laughs> yeah. about how this is working. Don't get caught up in like the grandfather paradox and shit. Don't worry about squishing a fly or a bug or something. Just it's, There's fucking time travel. Deal with it. Which is so much better than 
I guess the Terminator Salvation route they're going, that like, what if you could have time travel? Then you could go back and like change your McDonald's order and irreparably change the future and become a nano machine guy. Right, the butterfly effect. Yeah, another terrible movie, by the yep. way. Yeah, uh, but industry wise, there's some, now, shall we say, interesting stuff going on. There's a, a new uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Is, yes. Uh, what a lovely day. Explain, explain further. It's from the from the trailer. The yeah, guy's saying I know. like, "What a lovely day." That's why I wanted it's to talk about fucking the... crazy people driving <laughs> on this fury road, killing each other, and you know, it looks like Road Warrior times two. Um, Tom Hardy, many of you guys will know him as Bane. Uh, some of you guys might know him as Shinzon from Star Trek Nemesis. So he's been around for a long time, but he just started getting big roles like. Say like four or five years ago, he started breaking out. Really, I think Inception was his biggest yeah, thing to yeah. date, like before Batman. Yeah, and he is playing Max in the new movie Fury Road, which is coming out in a few weeks, actually. Mm. Yep, and he's got big shoes to fill because we're used to seeing Max is Mel Gibson, right? And Mel Gibson is the perfect guy to wander a post-apocalyptic wasteland and do it with the level of insanity that Mel is known for both in movies and in real life. Well, the benefit to the apocalyptic <laughs> wasteland is that there are, you know, no Jews starting world wars, so well, yeah. you know, and the, the, I guess the other benefit is he kind of looks normal because everybody else is oh, fucking crazy. Looks crazy too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know. The first trailer that came out for this, uh, I think it was a couple months ago, and they did the whole thing with kind of like a, it was all classical music and stuff, and it really showed off the the special effects. I absolutely, I love that trailer, and I give a quick shout out to the, the armchair director guys, because they had an excellent review of that, and I couldn't agree with them more about how good that trailer was, and it got me really stoked for this new Mad Max movie, because we haven't had one since the 80s, right? Beyond Thunderdome, mm. which is kind of like the lesser of the two between Road Warrior and that, and then, you know, kind of the original Mad Max is kind of separate by itself, I consider it. But I love that trailer. This new trailer, I, I you know, because it really gives you more of the character stuff and shows you more of Tom Hardy. It's It's like... I watch Mel Gibson and I watch Tom Hardy and I'm just not sure that Tom Hardy is max enough, right? Because he's very low key as an actor and he's very he has a very understated performance manner. Like I think his performance as um, Bane was probably pretty understated compared to Bane how he is in the comics. And um, I thought you were going to say Bane in the Joel Schumacher movie. <laughs> Well, anything's understated compared to that, like the giant rubber suit, steroid, bluffy rubber muscle suit guy. Yeah. <laughs> right. That's the only thing he could say. Yeah. Um, but then you, you compare him to Mel Gibson's performance, and every scene you see Mel Gibson in, he's got like this manic intensity, and you can just see the crazy living behind his eyes at all times, like he's just going to go nuts and snap. I don't really see that with Tom Hardy in this this trailer. He seems more um, like he's an observer to these events that are happening around him. And we see most of the other people getting killed and blowing shit up and doing action things, like uh, Charlize Theron is in uh, this new one. Yep. And she's pr pretty badass from what it shows in the trailer. And there's, some, there's a couple other people that... Uh, that people might know in there, but I won't mention them because I think we don't really know what their parts are going to be yet. And But I do know that apparently the villain they're facing in this movie on, on Fury Road is uh, apparently Toe Cutter, the guy from oh, the original movie. Cool. Yeah. Is it supposed to be the same guy or is this just like a total reimagining? Yeah, I don't know if it's, if it's the same guy or if this is like... I'm actually still unclear about how this story works, if this is like a reboot, sort of, or if it's like a continuation from after Beyond Thunderdome. Yeah, I don't know either. Yeah, so I'm going to have to watch the movie to find out, obviously. And I have really high hopes for this movie because I love the Mad Max movies from the 80s and the late 70s. Mm -hmm. Everybody does. I think they're great. Right. I mean, and they... They took a lot. I think they took a lot of flack back when they first came out because people didn't appreciate George Miller's vision. 
but now I think they really know um, what these movies are all about, and I think Fury Road is going to be awesome. It's just I just have a few concerns. That's all. I'm just concerned the Fury Road that this is. I don't. After watching it and the Terminator Salvation trailers, it it just I'm concerned that it might be we're going to put everything in the trailer that's like, this is a movie that's great for making trailers out of. Yeah. Like, we can get two minutes or two or three minutes of just the coolest shit happening, like the, the big sandstorm with the guys pole vaulting from car to car for some reason. Yeah. I'm, no doubt this movie, whatever it turns out to be story-wise, it will be a special effects masterpiece of both the CGI nature and practically. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's something that George Miller... As far as I know, he's been very, very uh, vocal about is that stunt and doing those kinds of effects are very important to this because it's a it's a really intense universe. Uh, hopefully, it's going to turn out that way, but we won't know until we see it. <coughs> the the um, hold on, let me focus here. the The news I'm reading now, though, is that Mel Gibson was supposed to be in this. Well. The, here's the thing too they, on this new trailer they actually put Mel in the trailer right so which struck a lot of people as kind of odd because they're trying to sell Tom Hardy as Mad Max right he's Max now and at the same time they're putting the legendary guy the legendary version of Max up against him and I mean it's kind of inconsistent marketing and I don't know what they're trying to do with that, whether they're trying to say, like, they're trying to just stoke general interest, like saying, like, hey, remember that movie that you loved in the 80s? Well, this is the continuation, and this is how it was. Remember, and they're kind of cueing people's memory by showing Mel Gibson? Right. Or if they're trying to... I don't know what they're trying to do, but... <laughs> That's why I was confused, because I had read that he was supposed to be in, like, the original draft of this concept as old Max, then he wasn't, but now he's, he's in the marketing material. So I, I'm, I don't know. I hope this movie's good. George Miller's had some good results before, but I'm just really, really confused on like what, what well, exactly Fury Road is. And, and I'm not, I'm not beyond considering that the confusion that we're all experiencing is planned, that that's part of the campaign just because, the whole Road Warrior universe, it's just so fucked up and crazy, right? Like, people just literally went insane after society collapsed. Mm -hmm. And so I'm just wondering, maybe that's part of they're going for, like, a meta kind of um, marketing campaign. Like, you know, this movie's so fucking crazy that, you know, like, you won't even know what's going on until you're sitting in the theater in that seat and it just hits you in the damn face. I, you know, this just reminds me, unfortunately, of Into Darkness... Where it's oh it's it's not con, nope not con for, no for sure it's not con. Maybe it's Q. Maybe it's the uh, what's the guy who goes crazy and gets the silver contacts. Oh um, damn, can't remember his name though. Gary something. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it's him. He it used to be the first officer of the Enterprise. Right. Yeah. Maybe, in the, maybe in the first him. pilot. Who knows? It Actually, the second pilot. Yeah. Yes, is the first yeah, pilot right. is um. What's her face is the the cage. Yeah, yeah. But that's what I'm worried about. This is just like now we're gonna stick Mel Gibson in here, kind of like, hmm. So at the end, maybe Tom Hardy isn't Mad Max or something. No, I, I see. I don't think Mel's gonna be in it at all. I just think like people, like I don't, I don't know. I don't want to get into a political discussion about him, but I think like right now he is regarded as toxic waste in Hollywood. Like he's just untouchable right now because he's been so controversial and said so many things and has done so many things. And he just came off of doing, um, Oh God. Um, the Sylvester Stallone movies, uh, Untouched. the Expendables. Oh, Expendables, right? He did Expendables <laughs> three. He was the villain in Expendables three and Expendables three was a piece of shit. It was so bad. And so, yes. so I mean, he really hasn't done anything lately. Um, you know, and you don't you don't really see him going for like trying to like rehab his career through other parts and stuff. Like you know, uh, like Arnold, he actually has a zombie movie out right now called Maggie, 
mm-hmm. which is actually getting really rave reviews, and it doesn't feature Arnold doing crazy one-liners and blowing people up with machine guns and stuff. It's just him dealing with his daughter turning into a zombie, and they said it's like his finest role that he's ever done as an actor and that he's actually really, really damn good in it. It's like maybe Mel Gibson could go that route, but I, I mean, I just don't think he's going to, I don't think he's going to be in Fury Road at all. Cause I think they're trying to turn the corner cause they know that one, he's not going to be around forever. And two, it's just been there, done that people love him in those movies. Why just let them be as they are. And they're going to go with Tom Hardy or, you know, somebody else. If Tom Hardy flames out, I think he'll be back in lethal up in five. That's my prediction. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, Danny Glover's getting pretty old, too. So. But is he getting too old for this shit? Yeah, he's That's way too old question. for that shit now. Like, <laughs> no stunts or nothing. Yeah, I mean, I think they were both kind of too old. Well, I don't think they I don't think they want to do it anyway. I mean, who knows? Rush Hour 3 happens, so anything's possible. Right. Well, and, you know, I think if, if you asked Mel, too, I don't think he would want to do it. Just because as an actor, I think he would say, you know, okay, I've been there, done that too. Like, it's not like he needs a paycheck or anything. The guy is, uh, he's he's made a whole hell of a lot of money as a producer and director and actor. So he's, you know, however many divorces he goes through, he's still sitting pretty. I mean, <laughs> he's, he's got a big <laughs> fortune. Uh, he doesn't need the money. He doesn't need to go through that shit just for, uh, you know, exposure. Despite all his shortcomings, you know, in the past few years, he's still an A-list actor. I mean... We'll see. I mean, Hollywood, I, I remain open to the possibility that Hollywood will shock us once again with a bad decision. Maybe, but I'm looking forward to Fury Road. I think it's, we haven't had a really great uh, post-apocalyptic movie in a while. You know, one that wasn't focused on teens and one that uh, actually conveys like the insanity that would happen in a post-apocalyptic world. Like, you know, you can say what you want about, uh, like, Hunger Games and all that stuff, but really, you know, if you're not reading the books and you're not, you know, in that target market, which is basically, like, teenagers and, you know, maybe college kids and stuff, you're, you're, I don't know. I didn't really appreciate it as much as I think that those other, those other people did. And so I, you know, I'm ready for like the adult post-apocalypse movie where something like crazy shit actually happens. What's this rated? Uh, I hope it's rated R. I'll bet you it's PG-13. Oh, see that, you know, see, to me that would be an indicator that it's going to suck. Let me check. Uh, Yep. I think it's PG-13. Oh, (laughs) God. I hate that. Why do they keep doing that? I mean, that's that's another thing that I really, you know, there's there. If you go back and look at like '80s sci-fi movies, oh wait, hold on. What? It was PG-13. The original, I guess, the cut that they had in 2014 or something. But the MPAA's little band of, uh, I don't know what they are. They're overly sensitive band of people who give the ratings gave it an R in March. All right, so I feel I feel better now. So there's hope. There's yeah. hope. Yeah, because look, post-apocalyptic world, it's not PG-13. Mm. No, but I just think that there's also this unfortunate tendency, especially with like these kind of science fiction films, to reach for that PG-13 audience because it's the widest audience you can get. Well, yeah, and you know, I think. They they believe the you know the Hollywood bankrollers that they believe that PG thirteen for like a sci fi action movie type thing that's like the biggest most interested audience right. they like that kind of stuff which yeah I mean for certain things yeah but I don't really buy it for you know hardcore sci fi and stuff I mean a lot of the best sci fi movies you know in past decades they were R rated movies. And ironically, now you see like uh, Hollywood is actually going back and trying to mine those and make remakes that are PG thirteen. Yeah, uh, what was that one that came out that I can't remember what it's called? I know that's that's scintillating. Um, it was originally an Arnold Schwarzenegger movie from nineteen ninety, and it was really good, and it was about Mars. 
Oh, Total Recall with Colin Farrell. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I couldn't recall it because it fucking sucked. Yeah, it's. Yeah, I wish I couldn't recall it. Yes. Need to go to Recall and like have them implant a memory of me just taking a shit that day or something. <laughs> like just wipe out me watching the movie. Yeah, that. Again, just why? Why would they make that again? Well, why? how would they make it PG thirteen? The original's over the top violence was kind of right. Part yeah, of I mean, it's the like movie. it's basically RoboCop Part Two, I right? Mean, <laughs> Same director. I mean, having that the like the blood thirty blood packs under that guy's shirt and the the subway, the train station scene where the Danny oh, yeah. DeVito's brother there <laughs> tries to kill Arnold and he gets the gun away from the guy and shoots him like fifty times in the chest. Like that's yeah, that's part of the fun of watching the movie. Yeah, there's blood guts right. everywhere, and you know Arnold's face almost exploding on the surface of Mars, and and yeah, the Colin Farrell version was just so like. I don't even I don't know what to call it. It was neuter, I guess is the word for it. It was just I, I I'm not gonna make the argument that either version is like the faithful adaptation of the Philip K. Dick story. But <laughs> no. you know, because I mean his, his story didn't feature like over the top violence and like mass amounts of killing and stuff. But I think that right. that the Arnold version is like the superior presentation of that original source material just because it's entertaining and bloody enough to to be a f- damn fun movie but there's also a good story woven into it and it's a sci-fi story and you're left wondering at the end like was the whole thing really a dream or you know is he really living this right i mean the director has said that he was really living it yeah, well, I I tend to believe that too. I mean, like yeah. that's some like really like the guys at Recall must have been really creative. If they put that memory in his head, like, and came up with all that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, there's, that's part of the fun of the movie, though. Is like there is an ambiguity, I guess, kind of in the Inception way. But you know, I'll say at the end to Inception kind of bugged me because it was like they they cut away, but you know, two frames before they cut, the thing started to wobble. So it's like, okay, well that. Right, you didn't know if he was in his dream world or if he had really gone home. If they had cut it yeah. a second earlier, I would have been like, okay, so it's ambiguous, it annoys me, but fine. But since it started to wobble, it's like, okay, well, it only falls over and wobbles when he's not in the Inception land. Yeah. But like when the Mr. Kohlrami comes into the simulation to try and get Arnold to leave and he starts... Swallow it! Yeah, <laughs> wants him to swallow his pill. Swallow it! Yeah, I'm sure he says it a lot. <laughs> That's what he was going to say to Data after he beat him at Stratagema, but it was, you know, awkward in 10-4, too many people around. But he comes in there and starts sweating because he's getting nervous because Arnold's not, you know, taking the bait and biting the hook on this whole recall scenario he's put out for him. It's like, that's just such a great clue that they're full of shit. Yeah, I forget what happens. Doesn't he, like, spit the pill out and shoot the guy? (laughs) Yeah, he takes the pill, (laughs) and then uh, uh, Sharon Stone there says, like, oh, you know, Doug, I'm so glad you come to your senses, and... Then Arnold sees the sweat running down the guy's face and spits the pill, or shoots him and spits the pill on his dead body. Right, and then he kills Sharon Stone and be like, consider that a divorce. Well, later, though, she kicks <laughs> him in the nuts and is like, I hate this fucking yeah. planet, and drags him out of the hallway, and then he wastes her at the elevator. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great movie, see? So much to talk about there, but the Colin, whatever his name is. There's nothing to talk about there, because it's just like, once you're done watching it, you want to forget it, because it was just a waste of time. I mean, that's like a movie that's destined to play during daytime hours on FX, right? Yeah, it's just, Brian Cranston was the, I can't remember the plot of that fucking movie. He worked in some kind of robot factory, and Brian Cranston has an elevator that goes from England to Australia or something. Yeah, I, I like all I can draw out of that is just like clearly Brian Cranston. Just you know, he's like, eh, okay, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm famous now. I want to get, the, I'll just cash in, do the cash in movie, and you know, get out. One for me, one for you. Yep. Right. Yep. Oh, what is that? What what movie is that from? The first you do the so that. Uh, oh, Jane Silent Bob. Yeah, first you back. do the, the right. studio picture, then you do the art picture. Yeah, he's like trying to. <laughs> Affleck is trying to tell Matt Damon like how you do how you work your career and stuff. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But I think that's that's probably what happens. It's like okay, you've done great work, Brian. Now it's time to. Uh... Oh yeah, great fictional sci-fi thing. You <laughs> mentioned Jane Silent Bob. Ben Affleck is the Moon Raper. Or he can only Ben Affleck can stop the Moon Raper. Right? Yeah, yeah, that's what the, that's what the, the, the concept is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, too bad. I don't know. Now Ben Affleck is all into steroids and everything, right? Oh yeah, he's, he's such a shame. He's grim Batman now. Yeah, now he's grim right. Batman. Uh, 
But anyway, Fury Road, regardless of whether or not it sucks, it doesn't matter. I'm still going to see it. Just Mm -hmm. like, you know, I said I was still going to see Age Voltron, no matter if it sucked or not. And thankfully, uh, I've heard that it turned out to be really, really cool and good. So definitely going to see it. Um, Same thing with Fury Road. I don't really care if it's bad or not. I'm still going to see it. Yeah, I'll see Fury Road. The only movie I'm going to have to flip a coin on is the Star Wars ones. I'm just not sure. I'm going to go anyway, because you know what? Even if it sucks, it's like once-in-a-lifetime thing. Be there on an original theatrical run of a Star Wars movie. It's just a, it's a cultural touchstone. Yeah, I guess if you're... But that's the difference between digging up like a ruby or digging up fossilized shit. Fossilized shit still gives uh, people valuable insights. I guess. I don't know. <laughs> if that's what you want to do with your yeah, life, knock true. yourself out. They can dig into that and tell like what dinosaurs ate and how they digested stuff. So, well, I can tell you some uh, semi-fossilized shit that's going on here. Okay, everybody's favorite uh, sci-fi director, Steven Spielberg's company, Amblin, uh, Amblin Entertainment. Yeah, the bicycle over the moon thing, and Sci-Fi or Sifi. Yep, are working together to adapt uh, Brave New World. I don't know if it's for like a mini series or for a series or what, but. I, you know, if I had a suggestion for them, which by the way, they probably never take my suggestions, but I would suggest making it a mini series because the last mini series they did with Steven Spielberg, I believe was called Taken Mm -hmm. back in the early 2000s. And it was about uh, a multi-generational alien abduction saga. And that was a fucking masterpiece. I loved that. And they did it so well. And if they're going to work with Steven Spielberg, his company, or him directly, I think that especially Brave New World sounds like a great miniseries thing. Cover the arc of the book and just really get immerse people in the culture rather than just make it like a one-hour serial. I mean, hopefully that's what they're going to do. They need, I think, like the mistake that I think that is made a lot is you get a great thing that you can adapt, like the Watchmen, and then you try and cram it into... Uh, right, defined like, like three hours. You have a maximum of three hours to get this done. Yeah. Where you could take like this and make a seven or eight part miniseries at least. Yeah. Like Banded Brothers length. But I'm just concerned that the, I guess the, the concept behind the books, like the two classic dueling visions of the future, Brave New World or 1984, that the message behind Brave New World I don't know if it's something you can put out there that's digestible for a lot of people today. In what sense? Well, it's always the classic, like, is society going to become this monstrous controlling thing because the government's going to put a television that can see you in your house and you have no privacy? Or is it going to be that you're so anesthetized and distracted by all of this frilly... Soma. Right, the soma, like the just the frilly bullshit that surrounds your life that whatever the government does do doesn't bother you because as long as it doesn't end with you, you know, locked in chains slaving away, you don't really care. You just take your soma and fuck it, whatever. Yeah, I see. I, I think that we're much more living in that world than the 1984 world now. Oh, yeah, I would agree, yeah. certainly. That's the, I mean, there's, I would say there's certainly like, it's a weird combination that the Brave New World Society has led to governments that can do the 1984 yeah. kind of stuff, where it's like the NSA is going to spy on everything you're doing, but there's 20 different reality TV shows you can pick from in this time slot. So so you think people won't be receptive really to the message behind that because, A, they might be in denial right. about the message being real, or B, it's just another form of entertainment to them. It's another one of those reality shows that they can choose from, right? That's it's reinforcing the the epidemic. Right. I think that's it's a little bit of both people if if they get like what is assuming that Steven Spielberg and sci fi stay kinda on point, assuming people get what Brave New World is about, they may have like a knee jerk reaction like, wow, that sucks or hmm, you know, I if they're going for like the, because people don't get that like uh, the Starship Troopers movie, they don't get that's kind of satire, because the book is very very straight on that. Like, you know, a fascist dictatorship led by veterans killing space bugs would be awesome, and here's why. The movie's like, yeah. let's go get them, and it's purposely over the top. 
But a lot of people just take it at face value and think like, wow, that Starship Troopers book must be about the same thing. So I, my question, I guess, is will people, number one, be able to separate the fact that this is entertainment from the fact that it's entertainment that's supposed to be about the dangers of entertainment? And if they get that, will they say, oh, okay, I should change my life? Or will it be the, was it the Donning-Kruger effect? Stupid people don't know they're stupid. Yeah. So they're not upset about it. Like people who don't register on that point will just be like, oh, okay, that oh, was a neat story. I think the same can be said of any science fiction or any drama, any kind of story, fictional story that's told out there that's told really well. You know, they all have a message. And I think the best ones always do it in a non overt way. Mm -hmm. Like the best ones don't hit you over the head. Well, they usually don't. I mean, there's like really obvious ones like Jurassic Park, like, you know. Don't try to control nature; or it's going to bite you in half when you're on a toilet. I didn't get right. that message. Yeah, I missed that. Well, I think at least in sci-fi, it, it always works better when you know they focus on the story and the characters, and then the message kind of is just woven into that as like a subtext. I think mm -hmm. that that's always the best way to do it, and that's the way that Aldous Huxley did it uh, with the book. I mean, that's what I got when I read it, and I think that's why they still use that as like a K through twelve book and that you would read in like a high school English class, right? Because it's accessible, but it's enough of an interesting story that it opens your mind up to being receptive to that message that, you know, like, hey, you're being manipulated and you don't know it. But the book takes such time to do that. And in that setting, you have somebody kind of walking you through it, or, you know, in my case, you read Spark Notes and go, like, okay, I get it. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's why a miniseries adaptation is, is like a better, it's a better template for this kind of work. And like, I just don't think it would be really good as a, as a one hour series, you know, like every Friday night or something like that. I think it'd be better as a miniseries where they can really go in depth and not have to like, depend on holding people through a, like a whole season or something. I don't know if they're going to go the, I doubt they go the series route, like just thinking logistically about it, but I think it's a toss up between the miniseries or a sci-fi channel, original movie. Yeah. I, I really just think they should do it as a miniseries because sci-fi channel, original movies, it's like clearly they've, they've staked out their territory that these are like cheesy B movies and stuff. And, you know, if you're working with Steven Spielberg, I don't think he has any interest in doing cheesy B, B movies. And plus, sci-fi really needs a hit in the mm. miniseries department. Yes. Because they had some really good hits, like in the early, mid-2000s. And since then, they've had a lot of stinkers. Like, they made, like, <laughs> the adaptation of Alice in Wonderland with the sci-fi twist. Yes. And they made um, the Peter Pan one, right? I forget that it was called, but yeah, yeah. it's called Pan, I think. Oh, okay. And that went nowhere. I mean, I think they had a really, really good one back in the day—the Wizard of Oz one they did, the Tin Man. Yeah, that was, was interesting. Was great. And so they, I think they could use like some, you know, a, an injection of enthusiasm there. I just hope they're responsible with it because that's a really important book. And. Even if you read the spark notes for it, just so you can pass the test or write the paper the night before, you still come away with like the thought that, wow, this would be super weird and interesting and kind of scary to have society that's everything is mechanized and regulated, but it, that's been allowed to happen because people are just so distracted from what has been going on. And then you look around and say, oh, wow, that's actually not too dissimilar from what's happening in the real world. Yeah. So I just I hope that they're careful with it and they don't make it into something stupid like an easily digestible and get rid of the message. Yeah, well, I mean, it just depends on the powers that that be at sci-fi. Yeah, that's why I'm worried about it. Yeah, you know, the the people who brought you Mansquito. I don't know if they're the right guys you want on top of this one. I don't know if it's the same people who brought us Mansquito. I mean, the executive who yeah. said that was okay. Like, yeah. The guy who ticked that off and said, we'll give you airtime. I don't know if he's the guy you want approving the uh, the concept for this. Oh, yeah. So for everybody who's listening out there, uh, if if you are a fan of good old games, it's a great website that takes older games and some newer games, and they actually uh, rework them so that they can run on modern um, hardware and I mean, software. Games that are old, quote-unquote, now. Right. Right, but they're like from the 90s. 
Yeah, they're yeah. they've got some like late eighties, uh, mostly nineties games. You know, early mid two thousands, basically anything before now. And then they also release indie games, and they do some new releases too with uh, bigger games. Yeah, but that's not not that much. Uh, but anyway, they've you know celebrating Star Wars Day last week and stuff. I, I think we mentioned that they had. Um, they were doing a Star Wars special and selling like all the the Star Wars stuff on there. Well, uh, now they're moving again and they've put Star Trek games on there. So there's some really great classic Star Trek games on there. Some some of the best that have been ever been made, like Star Trek 25th Anniversary and Star Trek Judgment Rights. You know, point and click adventure games basically, and they're Star Trek. The and I remember playing these games back in the day and. They're great. Uh, I'm definitely going to download that. I mean, they're just, they're really great Star Trek stories. I mean, you like play through like eight episodes and it's very fun. On floppy disk. Yeah. So this time, if you download it from good old games, you don't need eight floppy disks to install it and you, or you don't need a CD or anything. And it's, you know, completely DRM free. All of their games are yeah, DRM all free. Yeah, all their games are DRM free. I think the Star Wars special is still going on actually. Uh, I can actually check right now. I think yeah, it is let's, too. Because I'm playing Jedi Knight right now too, and I haven't played that for a long time, and it's still a thrilling game. I mean, people bitch about like uh, the graphics and stuff like that, but no, it's it's a, an intriguing game. It's fun. The puzzles are very hard. It's it's really hard to get all the secret objectives, all the secret areas. Oh yeah, yeah. I have never gotten all the secret areas in that. I mean, it's very challenging to ever find all of the little bits and bobs they put in, especially in those, the Jedi Knight series, Dark Forces and stuff, because yeah. there are a lot of those. Well, and, and just things that kind of have gone out of style in those games that people should really experience, like huge, huge, long levels. Like the level designs are really good in these games. You know, like Jedi Knight 2, Jedi Knight, Mysteries of the Sith. And that's kind of contrary to how things are now, where levels really aren't that big or they're broken up into sections like, and they have to load checkpoints and stuff like that. Well, you know, you're not loading any checkpoints in Jedi Knight. It's just one huge damn level and it's, you know, it might take you like 20 minutes, half an hour to clear through one and that's if you're not looking for any of the secret areas and stuff or trying to get into any Easter eggs. Yeah, I'd call them lab- labyrinthine, I think is the word. Yeah, and some of the puzzles are pretty difficult. Yeah, but I think that's uh, something that those games are like. It's the next logical step from getting the red, yellow, and blue keys in Doom. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think the Star Wars sale is going on anymore, looks like. Uh, okay, so it's not going on, unfortunately. I mean, the games are still all very uh, reasonably priced. Yeah, and the more you buy, the bigger discount they're going to give you. So if you buy like 10 Star Wars games together, you're going to get like some discount. I mean, some pretty good discount. Yeah, so that's always a benefit to buying here. Yeah, but definitely check out Star Trek 25th Anniversary and Judgment Rights, especially 25th Anniversary. I, I just really like that game, always have. Um, it's it's pretty challenging, too, like to solve everything, and some of the episodes are pretty... I can't remember. There's one where you have to, like, the the old South American god, or like Quetzalcoatl or whatever is one of the characters in one of the episodes oh, and you have yes. to you have to take him to like a Klingon world and where he's like going to be judged or something cuz he like destroyed a Klingon ship or something and uh, that that was pretty challenging because you have to I think you have to cure somebody gets bitten by a snake or something you've got to cure them and then you've got to go to a Klingon planet and play through that and avoid being killed by Klingons but my my favorite mission is always where you go to the space station that the Romulans have taken over, and you have kind of like a time to save Spock from the virus that's on the station, and that's always uh, that's always pretty challenging. My favorite mission was the one where you get the frequency codes or whatever they're called the the oh, override the, code. Oh, the prefix code. Yeah, the prefix codes to beam onto the the some ship that these like raiders have taken over. Oh, yeah, and that's a great thing about the game, too, is, like, you have a choice about, like, how you solve the problems. Like, when you're on that bridge, like, you can stun the guys or you can fucking kill everybody, and that affects your score. 
I mean, I just like the fact this is obviously reaching back because this is running on, you know, I think a Quadra 610 the first time I played it. And it was slow enough that if you got to the bridge, you could just click on all three of the bad guys really quickly. And then I think Kirk, if you had his phaser out, he could just shoot all of them before they even got out of their chairs. Yeah. Just some fun shit like that. But that's the five ninety nine for 25th anniversary, Judgment Rights, and Starfleet Academy, which I never played. I'm not familiar with that one. Yeah, Starfleet Academy is a pretty good game. But so they're all six bucks. I just can't wait till because clearly now they're doing really heavy lifting on getting these games out there. Now I can't wait. There's so many more games that they they have to get out there that are so great, especially Star Trek ones. Uh, they need to get a Final Unity out there. Yes, right away. And Klingon Honor Guard, great Star Trek first person shooter. <laughs> yeah, Klingon Honor Guard. I will take that over. Well, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if I would want that or Elite Force next. Yeah, I would love to get Elite Force next. Uh, Elite Force would be great. Klingon Honor Guard. I mean, the the choice the choices are unlimited because you know nobody's making money off these games anymore. No. So the studios are going to be really willing to give up the rights to let them tinker with them and make them run on modern software. I think the probably the biggest impediment is tracking down the rights because like who the fuck owns Spectrum Holobyte stuff now? Uh, you know, if when in doubt, right. I think you just go with EA because they own everybody pretty much. Yeah, I mean, it's a safe bet, but I would be really excited for them if that's indeed the direction they're heading because I love a final unity. I like that better than 25th anniversary even. Yeah, it's, it's, it's like the superior presentation of 25th anniversary. It's like they've got all the upgraded graphics and game mechanics and stuff, but it's like the same type of story, like adventure point and click, which is very fun. You're playing through a real, a, a good next generation, like, multi-part episode. Yeah. And you can assign Mr. Worf to Tactical, and yeah. he says it would be an honor every time. Yeah, he says, I am honored. Yep. So hopefully more good games to come out of good old games. I mean, there's a lot of shit on here that I would just pick up because it's so cheap. It's not 60 bucks anymore. Yeah, I mean, you can throw, you can, Master of Orion... And Master of Orion 2 are on there. If people yep. remember those. Still great games, which have Master of Orion 2 hasn't been uh, rivaled or, you know, there's no game that rivals that now or has improved upon the mechanics in that game. No, it, it's still the preeminent <clears throat> 4X game. Yeah. We, it's the granddaddy. Yeah, and, and, I mean, there's, again, there's lots of great Star Wars games, too. Mm-hmm. There's a... Uh, I think the entire gamut of Star Wars games, everything from uh, TIE Fighter over to uh, Galactic Battlegrounds. There's age. there's a few that they haven't gotten yet, but I think they're probably working on them. And they have new things, like they have a Kerbal Space Program. Yep, good game. Yep. Now, what are they missing out of the Star Wars library right now? Uh, I think some of the like the Starfighter arcade games, like, um, oh, okay. like Jedi Starfighter and... Like Rogue Rogue Squadron Two, Rogue Leader, and uh, yeah, I don't know if that's ever going to come though, because that was on console. Oh, I thought there was a PC port for that. I I don't think so. No, I think the only like games like that are Rebel Assault, which they have. Yeah, and then there's you know like they're missing some of the if if you're really a completionist for gaming and Star Wars and stuff, they're really missing like some of the like the Episode One games. Like that, there were um, PC versions of like Episode One Racer and Obi Wan, which was kind of like the um, uh, I guess it was like the it was using the technology that they had for Jedi Knights, and they were applying it to um, you know an Episode One story. Yes, it was it was not a great game, <laughs> great but it's, success. It's, it's worth playing just you know to play it. I mean, it it was fun for nostalgia. I mean, if they are going to get into the the console to PC game and take those assets and put them like in an executable wrapper, pick up uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunter. That's a good game too. Oh yeah. The Django Fett game. Yeah, they should pick that up. And, you know, or like fun Star Wars games too, like Droidworks. I love Droidworks. It's on the yeah. Jedi Knight engine. Yep. But I, again, I don't know. I, I think I read there's some kind of copyright issue there because the educational company that wanted that made still exists or something. Ugh. But I, I guess good old games is trying to 
It's probably those dick faces piercing. Well, whoever the fuck they are, they're not giving it up, apparently, which sucks because that game's awesome, and it, it doesn't clock right anymore, so when it tries to read the CPU timer to figure out like when to send stuff, it just goes so fast that if you push the forward key, your droid's buried in the wall. <laughs> like you have to have it's like pod racing, you know, no humans can do it except for Anakin Skywalker because he has the magic reflexes. It's just too fast. Yeah. I'd pick that up though. And I think that uh Super High Sci Fi uh will be starting a new series here on YouTube uh, about some good old sci fi games. Like Mass Effect. Uh it's not really an old game, but yeah, Mass Effect will be in there. We're gonna start with something that's uh Maybe people haven't heard of. Maybe play some Master of Orion 2, get them exposed to the preeminent 4X game of all time. Yep. The, sadly, there are only two Master of Orion games. The, uh, if, there, if you find an article on Wikipedia about Master of Orion 3, that's a cruel, cruel joke somebody's put together. Yeah, don't... You know what? It, it's like a troll game. It's they a big They released prank. it because they, you read the manual and it sets you up to think it's going to be a great game, and then you get into it, and it's like you can't even play the game because the computer does everything, and it won't let you take over the game at all. So you just you have to just watch. But you can force it to take over the game, but then you get into shit like, you know, what kind of toothpaste are the citizens in this building, in this district, of this city, on this planet going to use? Basically, like, game don't sucks. Care. Yeah. Don't play it. Don't ever buy it. If nope. anybody's offering it, it sucks. Only play Master Orion 1 and 2, and if you have to choose between those two, play Master Orion 2. Yeah, it is. if you get patch, uh, which Guttle games are all patched up, you patch like 1.04, I think. Yeah. is It's just, trust me, for those of you who are skeptical listening, thinking, oh, I grew up in the zero zeros, I know what a good game is like, play Master of Orion 2, sit down and learn it, and you'll say, wow, all of these like Galsiv 2 games, I can see what they're copying. Yeah. So that's uh I think that's it. Well what's the what's the YouTube channel gonna be? Super high sci fi? Yeah, it's gonna be super high sci fi. Uh again, follow us on Twitter, super high underscore sci fi. It's just our at on Twitter, our handle, uh super high sci fi dot com. Drop by there. Maybe send us some abuse on Twitter if you don't like what we're saying. Uh we always want to hear back from our listeners what you want to hear more of, what's going on. And do keep on the lookout for those games. Hopefully you'll find something that you didn't know about before. Yeah, and if you don't like what we're saying, swallow it. Yeah, swallow it. And don't shoot us in the head. Swallow it. Or if you do, make sure you're not going to miss, because then you'll need to pressurize the entire dome. Swallow it. Like Bad Haircut Guy tells um, Michael Ironside, don't shoot, you'll blow the whole dome. Oh, and... Uh, Gold Ducat's in that movie too. Yeah, he is. He's a security For captain. Like five minutes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Swallow it. Anyway, yep. Uh, happy Mother's Day. Make sure to go tell your mom to swallow it. And if she's confused, have her listen to the podcast. Swallow it. <laughs>